0: Happy New Year! Waking the Red Weekly is finally back after a multi-week hiatus in 2022. It already looks like it's going to be an incredible year for Toronto FC. Lorenzo Insigne will reportedly be announced as the club's latest and, quite frankly, biggest designated player signing later this week. As club and player have agreed to a massive contract, my name is Mitchell Tierney and today on the show... We'll also be joined by one of our favorite guests, Brendan Dunlop. We'll stop by in 15, 10 minutes or so to chat some Toronto FC, chat some Canadian men's national team and plenty more, I'm sure. But first, no Jeffrey Pineska this week, unfortunately. Of course, we're starting off the new year down a man. But Michael's saying you've been uh, quite busy over the past month or so since uh, the last show. You know, I'm pretty honored to be in the presence of uh, Canadian Fabrizio.
1: Oh, yeah, get out of here. You can practice that one. <laughs> I have to, uh, I have to hold back on the smiles just because I got these AirPods for Christmas, man, they cannot stay in my ears. Every time I smile, I don't know what it is, but if you guys see me fiddling with my, my AirPods today, that is why. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's exciting times, obviously for, for Toronto FC and it's just, I, it's honestly maybe just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I know there's there's a lot of rooms that moves that have to be made and I think getting this one over the finish line which I mean it, it was done for a week um but getting this over the finish line it really helps TFC now move on to other other processes other targets that they're they're going after and we'll get into that a little bit more in the show but Lorenzo Insigne Maybe even the biggest signing in Major League Soccer history at this time in his career. Maybe the best player. Obviously, you have David Beckham and Zlatan's Wayne Rooney's players that probably transcend the the reach that Insignia has. But getting someone at this age, I don't know if there's ever been anyone better right now.
0: Yeah, it's a good point. And I really like the the point that. It's critical. Uh, same, it's the same thing we said about Bob Bradley, right? You get that done early on in the offseason. That's very important to have the man in charge who's going to be making all these decisions. But in the same vein, it's very important to have your designated player deal done as early as possible so you can build around, you know, Lorenzo Insigne. Because at the end of the day, we all know MLS still in 2022 is a designated player heavy league. It's it's less so than it was, obviously, in 2015 when Sebastian Javinko joined, but at the same time, you know, you want to make sure that your team is is built around these players that that you're paying significantly more money than the rest of the team, and we'll get into those contract figures because they are massive. But um, yeah, I think I think that is, like you said, a very important bit of business, and it's good to get it done early. So now they have time to to really, you know, look at what we still think is is several other parts of this roster that do need overhaul. This doesn't change that, but it expedites the process in a way that, you know, I don't think any of us fully expected.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, you know, obviously the biggest takeaway and biggest move that has to come is going to be freeing up a designated player spot, Mitch. Mm-hmm. Um, something that we've talked about a couple of times on the show already. And that's, uh, that's the fact that they're not going to just have to free up one spot or they're not going to be freeing up just one designated player spot. They're going to be freeing up a couple and that's you know Josie Alter which ha- it's been done for weeks as well. Um, I know Fabrizio reported something about the team still trying to figure out a buyout, but um, for what I'm hearing that's already been done a couple weeks ago. Um, and the other one is, is Jefferson Soteldo which you know we, we hinted at it in the show in the past and yeah that from what I'm hearing, he's not coming back to Toronto FC next season. And I know Chris Smith of 90 Minutes, I believe it was, he reported that Soteldo is being offered for about $7 million to a bunch of different clubs around the world. Um, and I'm hearing something along the same lines. I know that several clubs in South America are interested in the services. And it's uh, that one was, let's, let's let's get real. It was mostly an Ali Curtis signing. Mm-hmm. And you know, on the field that I still, I'm, and I'm an advocate for his talent. Um, I think he's a player that TFC sort of needed and him and Lorenzo Insigne are kind of that similar type of mold. Obviously insignia is going to be way better, but they're that winger that can create and they can create a lot of goal scoring opportunities, not only for themselves, but for for their teammates. And, you know, and that's a, that's something tfc obviously did not get right, right in terms of maybe vetting the, the full character of Jefferson Soteldo. but in insigne they're going out and they're they're getting a player now that that kind of really i don't want to say fixes all of last season but it's a statement of intent and that's mm-hmm. they want to get back to being the most ambitious club i've seen that a lot on on social media today they want to get back to being the most ambitious club in in major league soccer and getting someone like insigne that's a that's a big step in that in that direction
0: yeah let's put some context on that in ambition uh, the reported deal is for 11 million euros which is roughly 12.4 million usd not a bad chunk of change 4.5 million euro bonus as well it's a five and a half year deal um, he'll join toronto fc this summer as you said prime player 30 year old winger spent the last 12 years at napoli played over 400 times for the club scoring over 100 goals he's got 53 caps for Italy, 10 goals the italian national team um and yeah he's a player who's won the euros this past summer like mike newell said i don't know if you can call him perfectly prime but he's as close to it as a player of this caliber as we've seen in the sense that yeah he's coming over you know you he's, he's stepping away from a champions league team when the other offers like that's the other thing too is like you know, Toronto FC were the, the other teams linked to Insigne were all Champions League caliber teams. You know, you had Tottenham, you had other teams within Italy, be it Inter uh, Milan, like that kind of club. Like, this wasn't like it was like Toronto FC going up against, uh, you know, the kind of the usual suspects when it comes to their transfers, be it Saudi clubs, even Liga MX clubs, like that kind of league. Like, this was a statement of intent where they're buying a Champions League caliber player who's currently still a Champions League caliber player.
1: Yeah, Insigne at this time, and he could go play in any one of Europe's top five leagues. And not only that, I'd say he can play for any one of the contenders, really, yep. in, in Europe's top five leagues. So this is a player that I don't think we've ever seen um, come over to MLS at this time in his career. And hey, it'll be it'll be a good measuring stick for the league in terms of, okay, we're getting a player like Insigne. Can he do what sort of Sebastian Jovinko did when he came over? Can he just go off and, you know, create on his own, run through players, have some of those, those magical moments? Or will MLS prove to, that it's really evolved and maybe it's going to be tougher to get that one type of player type of show? Because we've seen Insignia is capable on the world stage. Um, so I don't have any reason to doubt that he'd be capable of that, doing that in MLS. But if he's not, then you, you start to wonder, is, is MLS moving up in, in the world? is the league getting better? So I'm excited to see kind of how that, you know, works out. And hey, it's a it's a good time right now to be a a Toronto FC supporter for sure.
0: Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, you know, like, like we've said many times last year was a long, long year. And it was, it was tough to see any sort of excitement going into this season, just based on what we saw last year. But yeah, a move like this will quickly, quickly change, uh, change opinions around the club. And like you said, back in statement of intent, like this is a this is a thing that big, big clubs do is they have an off season, Things go wrong. You know, they they don't waste any time fixing that. It is interesting in the sense that it's very much and this is something that's been well documented, but it's very much a return to what Toronto FC know has worked in the past, like they went for the younger designated player. They tried to bring in Jefferson Soteldo, who's a guy that you know. Th- again, that's where the league's going—is those younger designated players that will eventually sell into Europe. And I don't think this means Toronto FC aren't going to go back there at some point. But this is very much in the vein of Javinko, of Defoe, of that sort of thing that they've they have the more proof of concept with. With you know, they're just bringing in a player who's already at a high, high level. And like, this is probably his last contract or close to it.
1: Yeah. Especially if the, the term is there at five and a half years and that's a long time. What is he? Insignia 31?
2: 30. Yeah.
1: So 30. So he'll be what? 30, 35, 36 by the end of this contract. Um, so, you know, another key point to that Mitch is that you're going to have to get value now out of Insignia. Right. And that means building a really good team around this type of player. Mm-hmm. and obviously last year that wasn't the case. So as we mentioned, there's a lot of different pieces that are going to have to come in, and one important thing to note is, yes, he's coming in the summer. So that also frees up an extra $300,000, $350,000 for TFC to play with, which sure. I think is, is going to be very important because you're spending a lot of allocation money on, on Michael Bradley already. You're spending allocation money on, on Chris Mavinga. You're spending allocation money on a potentially a couple of new signings so it's a it's it's good it's more money to to sort of play with here in terms of getting this roster right and that money that three hundred fifty thousand whatever that they're saving that could be someone like a raheem edwards let's say Mm -hmm. that pays his salary completely so that's that's the ability that they have right now to go out and get another another piece because they have that financial flexibility for this season
0: yeah absolutely um i think uh I think that's something to to watch out for is is what they do with the the rest of of the off season as well like how they how they build off of this and um yeah I mean we've already seen one signing from them and it was it was the exact kind of signing you want to offset I think this kind of big european splash which is just bringing in more solid MLS veterans because that was again this is something that I think they've kind of under Curtis to some extent, gotten away from a little bit too much, which was um, the the idea of signing more MLS-proven commodities, because we all know how important the combination of that was in 2017. It was, yes, you have your Vasquez, your Juvenko, your Altidore, um, th- those kind of players, but you also have your Beta Shore, Morrow, Moore, Clint Irwin. Like, those guys are just as important because you need that balance in the roster. And you need those guys who, um, for that those mid-tier allocation money, like you said, they're not gonna. They're not gonna take that adjustment period. They're not gonna maybe not fit in the MLS system. Like they know what to expect here. They know how the travel works. All of that. Like it's important to have so many of those guys on your roster, and that's why I did like the Shane O'Neill signing um, in, in terms of what it means for the club.
1: What a great segue, man. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a really good good shout, Shane O'Neill. You know, he's not gonna come in and be the savior there at the back line. But what he will do, he'll provide a lot more steadiness than TFC had at the back in, in years past. I don't, I don't know if he's going to, I doubt he's going to come in and be a starter. I know Bob Bradley kind of likes to play a four, three, three formation. And if you already have Chris Mavinga plus, you know, maybe someone else on the way and, and, and maybe another signing as well, there at the back. then it's going to be tough for Shane O'Neill to really crack the starting rotation. But Hey, this is a, this is going to be potentially a, a big international year. You know, there'd be times where TFC perhaps would lose some, some people to international duty and whatever, different types of things that come up where you're going to need someone to step in. And O'Neill's proven that he, not, he can not only do that, but do it for a pretty dang good club for a lot of years. So yeah, you're, you're bang on there and getting this, these type of players to kind of complement your big pieces is so essential to, to what this league has grow, evolved into. And that's just the way MLS is with the salary budget. But we have a friend of the show, Brendan here. So whenever Perfect. you want to bring on our guy, you ready?
0: Well, I think we should talk about Shane O'Neill a little. Long. No, just <laughs> Brendan? <laughs> How are you doing, Brendan? Good to good to chat again.
1: Oh, I think you're muted, Brendan.
0: Yeah, I think he is. I think. For once, this
2: isn't a your AirPod problem, Mikey. Wow! Be on his head. There, we I go. was just so excited by the <laughs> Jane O'Neill talk. I, yeah, I didn't want to step on your toes. So, what's up, boys? Thanks for having me back on the show, man. I even put on a collared shirt for you guys today. Wow! Wow! I, I got wow. a lot of blank wall space though. <laughs> like Mitch, Mitch is set up, man. Like that—that's top class. Like, do you also yeah. do NFL live on ESPN? Like, it seems like <laughs> doing the same.
0: Set. I'm trying to. I'm trying to audition for you. <laughs> That you can't
1: bad. really no. You can't really teach that. I mean, I got it kind of half going. You got the bookshelf there in the background, but Mitch is just all out. <laughs> and another thing, man, I think we got like three separate types of of dressier clothes on here, which I'm liking right now, guys. Different type of aesthetic we're going offer. So New Year, good new start. Yeah, let's new go.
0: Exactly. You let's come go. for go. Football takes you stay for the men's fashion catalog that we get on Wednesday every week. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's pretty clear that. We didn't bring you on, Brendan, to talk about Shane O'Neill. We brought you on to talk about another big Toronto FC sign, and it looks like it will be announced in the coming days. And that, of course, have you Loren- heard, Brendan? Yeah, yeah. Have
2: you? Oh, uh... yeah. No, uh, the Raheem Edwards you were saying—that great
1: allegation. Yeah, yes, yeah. right. <laughs>
2: Good to see the Absolutely, man come back. Yeah, no, but Lorenzo looks like
0: uh, looks like he'll be done with within days now. Um, you know, in terms of MLS signings as a whole, where does this rank? And you know, what does this mean for Toronto FC that they've been able to get a player like this who, again, is is currently Champions League caliber.
2: Whenever you can get your club's name or just your city's name in Fabrizio Romano's mouth and have him say it across all of his platforms constantly where people around the world are double-taking, like, did, wait, did he say Torino? No, he said. He said Toronto. Um, I mean, it's massive. Obviously, this is this is a record move for for Major League Soccer, and to get uh, someone that is a European champion in their prime is is you know not something that Major League Soccer has been able to to do in the past. And obviously, Toronto FC are putting up a lot of money to do it, right? So let's you know, let's not be lost on that. And uh, the fact that they've got to this point though, where it looks like they're going to cross the finish line, this is this is a, a move that I, a lot of us had heard was um, on the radar, maybe, or something that they were thinking about before. I, I believe even bob bradley uh came aboard, so the fact that they've uh seemed to go across the finish line with this now and push this forward is uh is pretty incredible for the club so i guess we you know we can all celebrate when the f is next to the scoreboard and he's he's actually here because he's going to make um nights at bmo field a lot more entertaining for us and of course a lot for the fan base and bring toronto fc you know closer back to the team that they were in in uh the end of the last decade um which is which is obviously where they want to get back to and This is on brand for MLSC. They want to put bums in seats. They've got the money to do it. So for those fans that endured the last couple of seasons, um, it's pretty nice for them to have uh, a star like Insigne and who knows who else alongside him out there on the pitch. They didn't even have to pay the uh, cameo fee for Fabrizio.
1: Oh, <laughs> no, they didn't have to pay the fee.
2: You're right. You're right. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad that that gets a lot of chat on uh, on the the soccer socials here in this country. Yeah, that's that's,
1: <laughs> that's so funny. So, so getting back to kind of what you're saying at the end of your 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 rant, there. Um, I'm a big guy, this... buddy. I, t-
2: I talk a lot in Portuguese. <laughs> oh, I buddy, yeah. anytime. <laughs> Actually, I can listen this, to you talk this, all day. This is the TV trick. Oh, bro, I appreciate that. Same for you. The TV trick <laughs> is if you hold like a mug in your hand, then your hands will actually move less. Otherwise, you're mm. spilling it all over yourself. So, if you're if you're ever in that situation, boy, it's good to know. When I'm walking uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> around, I like
1: I don't it. that. <laughs> um, yeah, so getting back to what you were saying there, does this kind of write the shit from last year? Does this kind of reinstill that excitement back within? Toronto FC to sort of where it was before, obviously that devastating season last year.
2: I mean, it does a lot to excite the fan base for sure. Uh, right the ship. There's still a lot to do, as you say, you know, to build um, a team around these star players. Especially, you know, if it's a Balotti that comes in with Insigne or or someone else that's you know completely removed from the the North American game. There's going to be some adjustment there. And uh, you mentioned Steven Bedizor. I, I think that was honestly. One of the best signings that they they've made in, in franchise history, because of the time in which they did it, and Morrow was you know also there as well. I think actually John Molinaro may have used that term on on Justin Morrow when they acquired him. Um, it's important to to build a team around players like this, so it, it's going to take some time. You know, I don't think they're going to be um, title favorites immediately with Asinia coming back in. Um, but they're definitely going to, you know, spark fear in some teams that um had started to maybe look at TFC as a joke or not, you know, see them as a power. As they they really had kind of, you know, relegated a return to the uh the, the teams of the past that uh TFC fans hung their heads in their hands for. And uh to, to see them come away from that now and and have people be be excited, like Bimo's gonna be rocking. Uh hopefully come who who knows what the situation will be like uh, as far as COVID is concerned coming the start of the season. But BMO is going to be an incredible place to be again.
1: Seriously, I, I checked last night and TFC were plus 2,600 right now to win the MLS Cup. Really? Which is, I mean, that's before, obviously, you know, anything that became a quote-unquote official at the Insignia. And I wonder if those odds sort of move up. But that's pretty good value for for a team that, you know, is showing this sort of ambition. The biggest question mark, I guess, will be, Can TFC get to the postseason without Insigne for about half the year? And that's going to be something I guess we're going to have to see play out. But Mitch, I'll throw it to you for, for I'm sure you have another question lined up.
0: Well, yeah, kind of in in that vein, um, and, and you talked about the roster and how important that is to build a good team around Insignia, But what do you think are some of the the key factors that Toronto City will have to consider to to put Insignia in a position to to thrive in MLS? When we all know it is a it is a tricky league to transition into in terms of the travel, in terms of um, multiple things that that come with MLS being MLS. But what do you think uh, are some of those important things that perhaps they learn from a Javinko coming over?
2: Well, actually, I think they can take a lot of learning from last season, and and you know, bringing Soteldo in. Here's Santos, is number ten. He's gonna fix all of our problems, and yeah, he looked great against Pacific in the Canadian Championship semifinal, <laughs> where he could, you know, be the clearly the the lone man on the on the pitch that was miles above everybody else. But it doesn't really work that way in a league, right? And I felt bad for Soteldo in in a lot of ways because he really was kind of left out on his own and wasn't supported. So I think. Just based on that alone, build, building a team where he doesn't have to be the only option. And I mean, that was also some nights with Javinko as well, where um, if Josie wasn't there, if Michael Bradley was out the side and it just felt like, OK, we've got maybe the best player in league history here, but we're not able to utilize him and to use him. So just supporting him that way so that Asinia is not, you know, the only game changer. Um, I think TFC have, have learned from last season a lot. Uh, and and I'm very excited to see, you know, Pozuelo and Insigne and whoever oh. else it is that they they bring alongside him. I, I was really excited to see Insigne, uh, excuse me, to see um, to see Pozuelo and Soteldo. And we never truly got to see it because as a unit, they were never complete and there was never consistency. So I would hope that they'd be able to build that once he arrives in the summer. And he's going to be inspired. Right. He's Insigne is definitely going to be motivated to keep his place in the Italian national team, because that will be the narrative that everyone overseas pumps in his head. Oh, you're going to America for all this money. It's Canada. You're going to lose all of this. You're going to lose all of your love with a national team. And you'll never play for the Atsuri again. You'll be lucky to get to Qatar. So he's going to be super motivated. Hopefully they're in a position where they're already a winning team and they can insert a serial uh, winner and an incredible talent and push on and uh, and make for a hell of a season.
1: Yeah. Sort of building off that. And this is sort of, I don't know. I don't have an answer yet. I'm, I'm hearing it's still, you know, they're, they're going back and forth. But does this help in any way kind of get Sebastian Javenko across the line? Do you think that'll happen, Brendan? And kind of how is that going to, do, do you think that's going to play out?
2: a great question and actually i wanted to hear your take on Javinko. i heard from some very reliable sources um that uh, well Javinko had told some people in the city that he was coming back he, he had was made assurances he was coming back this was mm-hmm. before the, any insignia rumors this was before bob bradley i was under the impression this might have even happen before the end of last season to put bums in seats this was that was my suspicion so i wonder if when Bob Bradley arrives, the conversation is, look, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get this across the line. And Bob Bradley says, why don't we go get the guys that are doing it now? You guys got the money. Let's get the Italians at the top of the game now. And so that's where the conversation has gone. So do you go and bring in Insigne and bring back Javinko? I mean, there'd be a lot of people that love it. Uh, a lot of <laughs> TFC fans that, that, would, that would love to see it. Uh, I, I don't know if it's going to actually get all of Woodbridge out into the, into the stands, but I think that that would be a real motivating factor, certainly from the marketing team and the ticketing department. Um, I would like to see it, but I don't know if it's the right move. I think it, you know, it's just, it's be a lot of nostalgia and hoping that, Oh, look, our, our old legend can help these new Italian legends settle in. It's a, it's a different situation than when Toronto FC brought D row back at the end, you know, uh, for, for his last stint after, after DC United, um, wanting to, Kind of write the ship and and start a new chapter and hope that there was you know something left and something special there from from Dwayne after uh, after a couple of injury riddled seasons in in DC. Um, I, I think with Javinko now there's it's nostalgia that's pushing it forward, but the, the talk of getting guys like Balotti and Insigne and in that level, uh, I don't know if if, if Javinko is the right fit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a that's a fair point, and that's that's going to be an interesting one to watch because <laughs> he's certainly very vocal right now about uh, right about his entire situation, and that's made this all all more complicated and and, and more entertaining at the very least. Um, what are your thoughts in general on on Bob Bradley hire and and I guess what he's done so far? I mean, there hasn't been there hasn't been much, but uh, he hasn't had a lot of time. But um, the the early days here and, and the the decision to, to bring him in as, I guess, dual GM and coach.
2: Yeah, I mean, the autonomy was always going to be, I think... What got him here? The hook. Right. It wasn't just Michael. It wasn't just you know living in Toronto and relocating. It was always going to be uh, power and control of a club that kind of you know needs a, a steadier hand. And in the past, obviously, have have gone through some very tumultuous management regimes. And here's a guy who was at the has been at the top of American soccer or nearly the top of American soccer for for twenty years. And uh, this is an American soccer league, and I think that he you know can do some different things uh, for Toronto FC and look at it with a slightly different. I, which is a positive uh, for Toronto, uh, really is. I mean, here's a guy who got to the the Ch- Concacaf Champions League final in a pandemic, um, and was you know, within minutes uh, or a goal to of, of winning the Champions <laughs> League, and that's where this club wants to be. After having won MLS Cup, this this is still their goal to uh, to be a Concacaf Champions League power. And, and here's a guy who who knows uh, you know what it's like to to get up there with some star players as well and in a, in a world-class superstar city that's kind of on brand for him so i think that he's going to bring a lot to uh to toronto and uh well i guess we'll just have to see how the season starts with uh as, as mike says you know uh, uh, this is going to be truly a tale of two seasons because it will be completely different when sydney does arrive in july if that's still the case
1: i think Yeah, that's the biggest thing there with bob is that this team lost its, its identity its culture and if everything I've heard, Bob Bradley's a culture setter. You know, he, he demands accountability. And as as you mentioned there, he's also going to play a significant role in kind of shaping what this team looks like moving forward. And he's proven he can done it. What is it, a three-time MLS coach of the year? Like, his resume is – there's not many coaches in Major League Soccer right now that have a better resume than than Bob Bradley. And I think that was sort of the first, like, major move of this this offseason. Yeah, we can talk about it Signe, but – it doesn't matter if you don't have a, a manager or coach that can set him up to succeed, and I guess that's why Bob Bradley was so significant there. Um, Mitch, you want to segue a little bit and talk? Uh, there's there's a lot going on right now in Canada and <laughs> soccer, so why don't we why don't we shift directions a little bit?
0: Sure, absolutely, yeah. Let's let's talk a bit of national team because it's obviously a massive month for for Canada as well huge friendly coming up against Guatemala that we're all uh, very excited for. But no, I guess I guess it, in some ways it is kind of big because we expect some potential dual nationals and, and a wider camp to be involved in that. So it could be critical for those sort of things. But I think all eyes are obviously on Tim Horton's field in the game against the United States, as well as a place that Canada has uh, kind of, you know, had all kinds of terrible moments in, in San Pedro Sula in Honduras as well. So, I mean, if there is, if there is a window that almost has the most meaning it might be this one because you know you've got your boogeyman venue and you've got the team that for so many years you've been trying to catch in the united states all at once um how big is this window for canada and you know what are you feeling going in because obviously you know this this team is so so close now to to qatar and this window could really uh, almost push them over the line
2: i think what's great about this window is that it's not so life or death as you we envisioned when we saw the fixture list come out as Mm -hmm. you expect when you see those names on a fixture list that's i think the the real blessing um there's going to be some some struggles with this window i think travel is going to be a nightmare the weather could be a nightmare you know on on both sides of things um but uh but i I think that uh in hamilton you know you're not going to get the best game you're not going to get Canada's best 11 versus uh, the United States' best 11 and, and, and see measure these two teams where they're at. That's just not going to be the situation on turf in minus 8,000-degree weather. <laughs> and I look back to the Mexico game and leading up to the Mexico game and the feeling of like, wow, could they really come out of this window with six points here against Costa Rica and Mexico? They could, but I was actually growing in... Before that game kicked off, I was beginning to feel disappointed that we wouldn't actually see... Canada and Mexico go at it evenly. And, and you know, on what would be like a, a, a real measure of the two talents and where the two teams are. So I kind of have a bit of that feeling against the States as well. I do feel confident that, uh, that Canada will go in and, and take, um, a good point total from, from this window. Uh, but if they don't, uh, take nine points, if they, if they only take, uh, four or if they only take three, it's not a disaster because of the, of, of the work that they put in previously. And I, I don't think that, uh, that's a feeling that we, as as Canadian soccer supporters and observers have had, right, to not not panic after uh, a couple poor results. So uh, I'm excited for this window. I'm excited for that game against the States, but I do kind of wish it would be on a more neutral surface. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, speaking of a neutral surface, then, Brandon, with everything going on right now, I got to ask, like, what, what are your thoughts? Do you think we still get a packed crowd? You have no idea. What are you thinking here in, in terms of that environment that we're, Potentially going to see at the end of January there at Tim Field.
2: Yeah, gut feeling, hey? I don't, I mean, who knows what to predict in this world in general. When yeah, seriously. decisions <laughs> that are dictated by governments and policies. I do suspect there will be fans. I, my gut is that, that um, they're going to try and make that a 50% venue. Um, and, yeah. uh, and like the CPL, put everyone on the TV side. Um uh, but it's for a safety decision, right? Um <laughs> I, I do think I do think that the that there'll be 50% capacity and uh and hopefully you know we get fortunate where it's not minus 80. And uh and it is a decent night for those fans that have waited a long time to see Canadian men's national team at this level that can kick it with the with the best of the US throw out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean we were already bemoaning how difficult it was to get tickets, or not really bemoaning, I mean it's actually a probably a good thing for for canadian soccer how difficult it is to get tickets now for this national team game but now yeah. i mean i can only imagine the headache that will come with telling half those people hey you know those tickets that you uh, got uh no longer gonna work so i yeah that, that's all i mean obviously it's we're days into the new rules but that's all gonna be such a headache that that yeah. will be
2: uh a... i don't envy the position that that ticketing department is in but if we can nope. give them a piece of advice first off before you contact any of these ticket buyers that you have to um take the tickets away from contact nike and get a bunch of those black jerseys that everybody wants and then give those jerseys to the people whose tickets you have to take away
1: and yeah. maybe that that's funny story you. funny story so i actually before they even brought out the, the black jersey they put the jerseys up for sale guys i ordered a black jersey i got a red one instead <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, like you know, whatever. It's it's yeah. still nice. It's an Alfonso Davies you know, red jersey. Yeah. But then they brought out the black jerseys in the ice tech, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. now that stings. I want one of those black jerseys. Um, but hey, it is what it is. I still got an Alfonso Davies jersey. I know a lot of people are struggling to get k- k- kids from Canada soccer right now, so mm-hmm. I am grateful for that.
0: Yeah, was it GQ that listed the the black? Uh, Jonathan David jersey is one of their like fashion items of the month and <laughs> everyone was joking that it was tougher to get than you know some of the excu- exclusive like Gucci stuff that was also on that list so yeah that that'll uh, that would definitely go a long way to uh, easing some of the pain that I think will will come with the half capacity but I think as we said we all hope that there are fans there and that it's uh, yeah, a special environment because these are the biggest games you know some of the biggest games that Canada's played in our history so yeah an exciting month ahead for sure
2: and you know what Too thinking about uh, maybe the worst case scenario if the scenario is they can't play in front of any fans i still hope that they do it there that they don't relocate or cave to moving it to some other venue or you know i could god forbid some situation where, like well we'll just play it in the states because then we mm. can yeah. then we can you know still have a gate um in the past i think that's that would have been a real probability and a real fear. Right. So I hope, I hope we don't go down that route.
0: Yeah. And the thing about the ice tech was, yeah, it was terrible soccer, but like you said, they got six points. Like that's at the end of the day, like that's the biggest and most important thing here is, is almost not the, like, we all hope they play nice soccer and like, we all want to see them play to the best of their potential, but we want to get to a world cup period. So I think that's the, the most important thing here.
1: The stakes have never been higher. The stakes no. have never been higher. And yeah, I think Brennan, I agree with you. If this was a another year and another Canada US game, which, you know, Canada before twenty nineteen, what was it, thirty four years or something they haven't beat the States in? Then yeah, I, I would I would envision them probably moving that game down to the States, but no, not anymore. We need not every now. advantage we can get. Yeah, exactly. No. We're we're um, playing in
2: Winnipeg in front of no one before we go back to <laughs> now <Nashville>, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly exactly you love it
0: yeah well I, I think we'll we'll wrap this up there though thank you brendan so much for for
2: coming on it's been great yeah anytime boys appreciate it i always love talking with you thanks for having me
1: of course so, brendan one more thing i don't think mitch has one of those zero books back in his bookshelf no, man i no, think he's no. missing one book in particular oh it's covered uh, by the mic i couldn't see yeah. it See, look Mitch. at his placement. Mitch,
2: Terrible uh, advertising. No, Mitch had like a college week. Uh, excuse me, cottage, not college. Cottage <laughs> college. Weekend. Probably uh, both. <laughs> a, a cottage weekend, and he messaged me that, uh, that he, he, he read it and, uh, and crushed it on the weekend. So I appreciate it, boys. Thank you. It was, uh, it was great to do the book, and uh, Dwayne DiRozari and I are hoping to be able to do some signing events in the new year, something we, we weren't able to do at all in 2021. So, uh, so yeah, hopefully there'll be some really big nights at BMO, and we can, uh, we can be there and do some book signing events for the fans. Yeah, for sure.
1: Forward. I Love that read. Mhm. Mm-hmm. All right, Brandon. We'll chat soon.
2: Cheers, man.
0: Yeah, that's cool. that's always a great chat. Uh, anytime we can oh yeah, come up on here. Great, great way to start the year.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um and yeah, you said some interesting, interesting stuff. And I think you know I was hearing something along the same lines in terms of Sebastian Javinko, uh, back before, obviously, the season ended and. I was hearing for January. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that deal was essentially all but done. But clearly that wasn't the case. Something else transpired there. And well, I mean, the, Allie Curtis left
0: and maybe maybe that's what yeah, okay, it was. Well, you'd think that'd be part of it. Like like the fact they changed the the architect. and like, like Brendan said, you know, now, like now Bradley comes in and is like, why are we going after the the past, and we could be going after the future?" well he, here's what I
1: think also it's it's that as I think someone else mentioned this in the chat is that's that's it's the price that mm-hmm. Javinko's wanting and we, yeah. we all read that t- great Toronto star piece by Laura Armstrong mm-hmm. um, where you know she kind of identifies for the price range which Javinko was looking at and if it's anything close to Michael Bradley money it just the team really can't afford that luxury right now so mm-hmm. hey if Javinko wants to comment that 500 maybe a little bit more than that, by all means, I'm sure that door is wide open for, for someone like him. But if he's holding out for that extra million bucks, then that's where it gets really tough because, as we mentioned a bunch of times, like this is this is a salary budget league and TFC have a lot of rebuilding to do this offseason and I'm not sure they can really afford that sort of luxury and bring it in a Javinko right now.
0: It's really what he is at this point. He's a luxury player. and Especially when you have Insigne, who's a very, very similar profile to what Sebastian Javinko was at his best. Like, you know, that's a, that's a player that you don't need right now. It's a player that you want because he, you know, again, all the things we've mentioned nostalgia. Um, I do think he given his ability would still be a decent MLS player, but at at the same point, like there's so many other things that this team needs to address that uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's a good point. Um, I did want to ask you something or, or mention something that, uh, was asked during the during the interview, and that we didn't transition to, but uh, peaked too soon. Asking nobody concerned at all about the fact that we're tying up another DP, DP slot to a thirty-plus
1: year old. Which I, I hear you, mm-hmm. I hear you, I hear the concern. But this isn't just a, a thirty-year-old. This is a player that anyone in in Major League Soccer would want. Um, this is a guy that really kind of moves the needle for what the league is, um, moves those goalposts in terms of, okay, now we can get these sort of caliber of signings. Um, sure, like you, we have some PTSD over the Josie Altador incident and signing and, and all of that, but I don't think that should really stray away um, your interest when you're getting a, a player of this caliber. Obviously, in an ideal world, you want someone who's 24, 25, 26 entering their sort of prime years as opposed to kind of getting towards the end of their prime. But that being said, this is a guy fresh off who's scoring absolute wonder goals at the European Championships, winning the Euros for Italy. This isn't a... Again, this isn't a, a different sort of caliber of player. So right now, I have no concern. Obviously, the length of the contract, sure, we can talk about that in a couple of years. But with that being said, like his, his class is, is going to be there, the way he thinks the game, the, the pace that he plays the game at, like, that kind of stuff you can't really um get out of as someone younger and and perhaps in, in a worse league so if you're going to get someone of insidious caliber at 24 25 years old and it's what we kind of ideally want you're paying over I don't know at in this market maybe like 100 million right for that sort of transfer I don't think Napoli's letting him go if he's that age so yeah there I for me there's there's no uh there's no question right now that he's absolutely worth the the price tag and yeah, I'm not I'm not living uh too I'm not too scared of uh, any sort of repercussions of that right now.
0: Yeah, I think that that perfectly sums it up. I mean, this is a player who has abilities that will translate for the next 5 years. This isn't a player who like relies on, you know, his physicality. I mean, he's 5 foot 4 so probably that's not the the biggest part <laughs> of his game like those things that kind of diminish. And like like we've we have those kind of bad reference points in the sense that, you know, Josie Altador and to a lesser extent Michael Bradley like we've seen the diminishing returns over the past couple of years of of players who came in kind of close to their prime and obviously you know in five years time and is not going to be the player that he is now but I think he'll be he'll be close enough to make this worth it so um, yeah I'm not uh, I don't share those concerns either I think uh, I think. Yes, obviously you'd like to have him a little younger, but at this point, you know, the, the caliber of player. We've seen players of, of his ilk in Europe. I mean, heck, Atiba Hutchinson's, what, 39 now, and he's still playing Champions League soccer, and I don't think anyone in Toronto FC circles would turn down, a, you know, an Atiba returning that, that caliber of player. So th- there are definitely players who, you know, as much as we're all about the the youth now in in. I guess, culture in general. Like, there's there's something to be gained for, for that veteran savvy.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, that kind of segues nicely into another player that Toronto Seer sort of rumored with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, of course, the Andrea Bellotti rumors. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I don't want to be kind of the bearer of bad news, but from everything I've heard, those rumblings are... They're definitely overblown. Um, I know TFC did check in on him earlier um, even this offseason. They checked in on him earlier this offseason, but there's nothing definite in terms of them going out and, and making an offer for this type of player. I'm turning I'm I'm hearing any of those conversations, they were not meaningful conversations. So I wouldn't get my hopes up too much about Bilotti joining Toronto FC um, along with Insignia. But with that being said, there are a couple of other players that this this league or this team is is linked with right now, and one of the names that I'm hearing that you know Bill Manning Frapp could get done in sort of that same timeframe as as uh, Lorenzo Insigne, and that's and addresses another need that this club has, and that's that's Crescito, mm-hmm. Domenico Crescito, Mimo Crescito um, of Genoa, and he's a versatile defender. I know he's probably listed as a left back, but I would say he's probably someone who could easily fill in at center back for this club. And I'm hearing that that deal is, is pretty close, uh, to, to getting done. And I would say he would probably come in as, as sort of a TAM player, uh, under allocation money. And I think that sort of deal kind of, adri- like I said, it, it addresses a major need that this club has. And that's, that's at the, the back line. So, if you can bring in and Insigne, that addresses two major needs that this team has in sort of one kind of go. And getting both of those deals done would be fantastic, especially when I'm hearing that neither deal comes with a transfer fee. So it would just be you know, a salary that you have to pay. And that's, that's exciting right now for Toronto FC. I know Crescito is a little bit older in age. I think he's getting up to about 35 years old. But he is a very important piece to that Genoa team in Serie A, which is miles better right now than, than what Major League Soccer is. So I don't have any issue, or I don't have any concern uh, about whether or not Krishito would be able to hang here in Major League Soccer. And I'm hearing that, you know, he'll, he'll join in the summer as well. So keep an eye out for anything more tangible about that. Um, but that's really exciting. Another player that the team has been actively pursuing um, another, I've heard people. You know, I, I tweeted that out that TFC is pursuing another Syriac striker, another Italian striker, and I see a couple people have guessed who it was already. And yeah, that I think it might be a report out there already. But I'm hearing Mattia Destro is also a name that this team is is targeting.
0: Did they just send so, those scouts to Genoa?
1: Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> man I guess so. It's like I like we said, like Woodbridge is going to be on fire in in 2022 and that means that like like we said off the top of the show like they're gonna have to fill two designated player spots and and perhaps these two are the guys that are going to come in I know the Destro deal is a little bit further than than um any of these other deals that are happening right now but it's definitely something to keep an eye on so exciting time for for anyone in Toronto FC right now because that's a That's a big, big upgrade from where we were last year.
0: Yeah, absolutely is. And yet, um, you know, Destro and Crusito, both players who like Insigne, not to the same extent, but both have uh, plenty of Italian caps under their belts. So um, these are players that come over with, with great pedigree. And, you know, Destro's another one of those guys who's been putting up goals in Serie A very recently. Like, this is a guy who would come over and and have the potential to to fill the net, especially with guys <laughs> like Insigne and Pozuelo and those guys around him. Like that's setting him up for success. So um, those would be yeah very exciting signings. And and obviously the the fact that Toronto FC is linked to these players is is a good sign. Uh, a good sign that they're they're out there doing a lot of work. Like we said, we want to make sure they supplement them with with MLS players. But under Bob Bradley, like I I have confidence that'll come because we've seen what they did with LAFC where they had. You know all those top guys and then you had your mark anthony Kays and your latif blessings and those sort of guys that that i don't want to say made up the numbers because that's not fair to either of those players but like built the co- solid core of the of the team to where those those main guys can flourish around them
1: yeah exactly and that's going to be kind of the, the test that i think bob Bradley has i know a lot of these deals with with Bill Manning, that's been in the works for for before even Bob Bradley arrived. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this Insignia one's been in the works for for quite some time. So, um, I think that's going to be, like I said, Bob Bradley's biggest challenge there is filling those those gaps in between some of these big names that that Bill has already identified, and then the rest of the Toronto FC uh, a scouting staff and and their their GMs there have identified uh, of exactly who who they want to bring in. So. Again, like players like Raheem Edwards are linked to TFC, which I think would feel, you know, personally, if we want to talk about Raheem Edwards a little bit, I think that's a perfect fit right now for TFC. Um, someone who could slot in there at left wing back, someone who could push a little bit higher up the field if needed, but someone most importantly who offers pace. And that's something I think this team lacks a lot of, aside from someone like a Richie Larea, maybe Jaden Nelson even, Jacob Schaffelberg, of course. There's not a lot of pace on the squad. Um, up top get, if you get someone like Destro, then that's complementing your attacking core, which will already include Iowa Canola, Achara, and, you know, whoever else they can kind of get there. Jordan Perusa as well, kind of get there to kind of fill that number nine void. So a lot of this will, I guess, will be determined by the way Bob Bradley wants to play, wants to line up the kind of shape he wants to build. Um, but there's a lot of holes still left to fill, and I'm sure it's going to be a busy couple of weeks right now for TFC.
0: What's the what's the latest on Io, by the way?
1: Well, I heard Io was, again, I think we talked about this on our show about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, and I was hearing that Io's coming back. Um, I still think it's not things official yet, but I was hearing that those talks are were are, are very good, and... I don't think it was really a question mark whether or not he would uh he would come back as i heard two and a half weeks ago i think steve has steve buffery has done some good reporting talking to bill manning mm-hmm. um i think he said that something along the lines that it deals close but um we'll see if that uh that gets announced soon
0: might be an announcement week for Toronto fc i mean Consigne, <laughs> the altador stuff like there's a lot of stuff that seems like it's been it's been done for a bit but just hasn't uh hasn't had the the press releases or or what have you. So we'll we'll see with that. Um yeah, I think uh I think the Raheem Edwards thing is is a good point and also brings to mind another part of the 2017 team. And again, we're using that as a as a basis here. Obviously, MLS has has moved since then and, and there's new things, but having players like that who are versatile, and I think that's something that's very important and something that maybe Toronto FC didn't have as much of this past year. I mean, you look at like guys like Nico Hasler, um, even Morrow, who could play up and down that side. Like they had plenty of guys in that 2017 team that could fill in multiple roles. And Raheem Edwards is a perfect example of that, where he can play you know anywhere up and down that that left side. Also, can play in the midfield. We saw with uh, with LAFC this past year. So the more of those guys they can bring in, the the better I think. Um, but let's let's chat a little bit about where where we think the gaps still are in, in light of Insignia signing um, for this Toronto FC team.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the biggest gaps, I know it's been kind of a luxury kind of the last couple of years, but I'm not sure how I feel, how confident I feel about that uh, that kind of holding midfield position. Mm. And I know Michael Bradley, that's, that's been his, his MO for, for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I think he, he, was, he was solid last year. He's no longer the player he, he once was. Um, yep. I think that's pretty obvious. So now who do we have kind of behind him in that sort of role? Obviously, you have someone like Ralph Preso, but is he a natural number six? Not really. uh, I'm not too sure about that. I think he's more so a box-to-box type of guy. And then you think about someone like Liam Frazier, Mitch. Mm-hmm. is Liam Frazier potentially in the mix to kind of shore up that, that of kind of position. Is that something he would even want to take on after not really been given an opportunity the, the last couple of years? Like, I, I don't know. I, that's a, that's a question mark right there. I know TFC want to bring him back. Yeah, exactly. Very, very tough sell. Um, especially when he's, he's lived through that kind of experience once already. And when you have Bob Bradley coming back, it's not really, a good selling point to, to someone like Liam Frazier that, that Michael Bradley is going to be taking a step back in sort of the role he's, he's been playing the last couple of years. So I think uh, it's tough because you have players like a, a Delgado, you have players like Ozoria who are so good at MLS, mm-hmm. and then you have someone like an up-and-comer like, like Noble O'Kello who can also take those minutes. Mm-hmm. But is there a question about whether or not TFC need to improve the quality of their midfield? that's what, that's kind of where i'm at in terms of that um another big question mark for me is is the right wing spot um i know you have someone like a, a jacob schaffelberg that could play there or you have someone that you know a J- Jekyll marshall rudy Jaden nelson maybe even achara but you have maybe is subasa endo gonna come back i'm not sure but I think that's a that's been a big question mark ever since that Erickson Gallardo signing. Even before going back before that, is is who's going to kind of take hold of that right midfield spot? Ozo can obviously play there as well. Uh, Richie, if he wants to get pushed up, so there are options there. But who's going to be the guy to kind of lay claim to that? So that's a that's another really que- big question mark I'm looking out for. Um, in goal, I think they're set. I'm not sure what uh, other concerns really that that i have there man how about you
0: yeah i think the midfield is an interesting discussion because i think it's really really close to being like i don't think this year we saw any of those players play up to their ability and i think they still have that like osorio delgado um mm-hmm. they've proven over the course of the past and bradley as well they've proven over the course of the past few seasons that they're very very good mls midfielders um, ralph Prizo obviously going down i think exacerbated all the issues in, in that area. So, I mean, yes, they, they need like a Liam Frazier type, I think, or, or someone in that elk to, to kind of round out the numbers in there. But I think it's, it's pretty close to being, to being a, a solid midfield unit. Um, the other thing I will mention is Shane O'Neill has in fact played a l- little bit of uh defensive midfield in the past. I don't think that's the plan, but um, it's at least worth, noting that he's a player with that flexibility where you really are in a pinch. He could play at the the base of a midfield. Um, and, you know, you're uh, based on his numbers and everything. You're not getting a player who's going to progress the ball very well, but you're at least getting a player who's not going to lose you the ball in that position, which obviously Toronto struggled with a lot this past season. So <laughs> that kind of solidity's uh, that kind of solidity is helpful. Um, yeah. I mean, again i think it's just filling in those those made pieces in terms of the spine of this team like you you want at least one more commanding center back and you want to make sure you have someone up top who's who's finishing off the chances and then um from there i think you can you can build pieces around there or even some of the the pieces that weren't as good this past season will step up again because again like like even talking to brendan t- today you think about the fact that like tfc had the last year or the year before is mls mvp that like barely played this year like if alejandro Pozuelo returns to near 2020 2019 form like that's like a new signing for FC. yeah
1: yeah that's a great point and uh, another you know perhaps gap is i i want a striker that can run in behind i know iowa canola is decent at it mm-hmm. but i want someone with pace up top that can get on the end of Pozuelo's through balls or Insigne's chances. Because I think, again, TFC lacks a lot of that that pace. Achara is not, you know, obviously he had a devastating injury, but he's not that quick. Um, Dom Dwyer is not going to be that quick. Jordan Cruz is not going to be that quick. So you have four kind of similar types of, of molds there uh, up top. Obviously they're kind of different players, but similar in the way that they, they like to be you know playing in front of sort of that back line as opposed to kind of getting in behind with you know exception of maybe a little bit of io and a little bit of achara so i think maybe that type of pro just to give a different type of mix you know something that was great in 2017 is yeah you had you had josie Altador, who was you know fantastic striker at the time but then you also had someone like a to st ricketts that you could bring in off the bench sort of at any time and he was such a great asset to have just to kind of change the kind of dynamic that that TFC were offering and kind of coming in against tired legs I thought yeah. that was absolutely fantastic there in terms of that kind of luxury so perhaps a player of that kind of mold and another thing I want to point out is something that Bill Manning talked about in his NFC press conference was how much losing sort of veterans like Pablo Piatti, Laurent Simon how much that hurt this team Mm-hmm. And now we're we're gonna be losing someone like Justin Morrow. You're gonna yeah. be losing Omar Gonzalez. How does Even that Zab, sort like of like
0: Zabs as well? Uh, like I think I think you gotta throw Zabs at least in terms of his locker room personality from what yeah. we've heard with the young guys. You have to throw him into that mix.
1: Definitely. definitely. So how does that? How do they kind of fill that? Obviously, Nick Dion's in there as well. Um, I know he was well liked in the TFC dressing room, even though TFC fans, of course, were were kind of quick to give him a hard time. Um, but how do you go, how do you fill that sort of mold or that that sort of gap there? Because right now it's a it's a locker room that needs to kind of refine its its culture and sort of get back to to the basics. And a good way to do that is bringing in steady veterans. And I'm wondering how you kind of address that. So. It'll be interesting to see how how Bob Bradley decides to go about rounding out the rest of this roster, but it's definitely not complete. I think the only thing that really is complete right now is probably their goaltending. Yeah. Other than that, I still think there's question marks throughout the roster.
0: I'd agree. Yeah. Um. And yeah, like you said, that that's where the cultural shift will loom large. Like even in, from a leadership standpoint. Like I remember one of the things watching Canada play versus watching Toronto FC, like Jonathan Osorio on the pitch for Canada is, is like directing guys, barking at guys and like has this incredible leadership aspect where it looks like a captain out there. And then you watch him with Toronto FC, he's not saying anything. And again, I think that was a, that was a byproduct of just how terrible things got by the end of the season in terms of like the, the belief within that squad and everything. But um, yeah, I think like, like a lot of these guys have that ability within them and you can't obviously like, fully bank on the fact, like that's why you can't run back the same roster as last year. Right. Cause we don't know that these guys are going to rediscover kind of their past form. But I think there's a lot of guys like that where you can, you can make solid educated bets on them that they will bounce back. And that, especially if you inject some quality beside them and inject some belief into this team and a new manager, like they will bounce back. So you're going to be getting some, some improvement from within at least as well.
1: Definitely. 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 Um, yeah, we'll have a lot of, of TFC talk to get to as this kind of off season progresses. I know there's still a lot of moves kind of coming down the pipeline, so keep it locked to TFC on socials, keep it locked to wake in the red, but let's transition a little bit quickly, talk a little bit about kind of the, as we touched on with Brendan, the Canadian soccer landscape in general right now, Mm -hmm. heading into 2022 after what was undoubtedly the greatest year in, in Canadian soccer history. From yeah. both a men's and and women's perspective, there. So, Mitch, I guess, what are you looking forward to right now in in the twenty twenty two Canadian soccer landscape?
0: I mean, uh, I think probably number one, and this this is obvious, is the Canadian men men's national team qualifiers. I mean, they have huge, huge games coming up, and and like we said, like they're they're incredibly close to to getting to a World Cup for the first time since nineteen eighty six, and I think we all believe that they have the ability and and everything to get there so uh that's that's the main thing that I'm really looking forward to um i guess the the continued development of the Canadian Premier League as well like that's we saw them we saw the league take another step forward this year and there's uh, a lot of exciting stuff about that league coming out as well so yeah really looking forward to, to both of those things and again i think i think all three Canadian MLS sides this this year i mean between Toronto FC now making big acquisitions what we saw at the end of the year from the Vancouver whitecaps and and some of the moves that Montreal is making as well like I think this is going to be a a big season for all three like I think all three are gonna push for the playoffs and I wouldn't be surprised if all three make it in so I'm excited about that as well I think I think you know the the saying of rising tide you know eyes all boats or whatever <laughs> darn it we always mess that up whenever i uh, <laughs> whenever i try and say that uh say that saying on the, on the show but um uh, we need jeff in the comments and what it is yeah. yeah but you guys get the point yeah i think i think that's really starting to to become true um so i'm really really looking forward to, to all those things
1: yeah i will seen one of those big news for montreal alistair johnston who wow that's a that's a tremendous pickup right now for for montreal mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's gonna be so fun seeing him on a back line alongside Kamal Miller, maybe Joel Waterman as well. That's a little bit of, you know, the national team's mo right there, especially mm-hmm. with the kind of the roles that, that Johnson and, and Miller have both taken up this season. And I know, you know, so far Will Nancy he likes to play in a back three. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a, a such a fantastic acquisition for Montreal. Um, from a TFC perspective, honestly, a little bit even jealous there because Alistair Johnson, Aurora, Ontario native is, is very, very, uh, it's a very talented piece, of course. So, Um, I'm interested to see kind of how that plays out, and yeah, as, as you mentioned, there, Mitch, like there's so much to look forward to. Uh, obviously, the on the women's side, they're they're trying to qualify for for the World Cup, which I obviously I don't think they're going to have much issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they have a lot of games lined up right now against some really good opposition. So, how will they kind of build off what has been such a tremendous tremendous year for that that program? How what kind of I guess quickly just touching on it what are we going to see on the domestic front in terms of the women's game here in our country? Mm -hmm. How are we going to see that progress? Are we going to finally get a league or a team here in Canada for the women's game? And I think that's something I'll keep an eye on in 2022. I've been hearing some positive talks on that front, um, but we'll see kind of how that all plays out. Um, But overall, yeah, man, like MLS, the Canadian Premier League, both the national teams, 2022 is shaping up to be, you know, 2021 was really important, but 2022 is shaping up to be just as, if not even more important, especially when you consider what Jonathan David has been doing and kind of what he's linked to. And then Kyle Larin, what he's been doing, again, he's linked to a lot of different moves as well. Um, and a lot of the national team players, you know, and, and some young guys coming up. We would hear rumors about Jaquil Marcerudy mm-hmm. and kind of what's going to happen there in June when his he turns 18. Jamie Nelson, another one who teams are like in overseas as well. There's there's a lot to like right now.
0: Yeah, there absolutely is. And you know, I'm I'm excited just thinking about the the year ahead. Obviously, it's been a been a bit of a tough start to the year, I think, for for all of us in terms of you know, just just what's going on right now in the, the, the province as a whole. But uh yeah, no, I think uh I think looking at the year as a whole, I'm very optimistic that this will be an even bigger year than last year, maybe maybe not even bigger because you know obviously we won a gold medal this past year, but you know another year of built <laughs> momentum for the Canadian soccer landscape and potentially even bigger. Like I do think getting to a men's World Cup, like it's not it's not just a, you know it it's not going to just benefit the men's team. Like it's it's absolutely gonna, not. It's gonna like push the women's team to new heights too and, and in terms of the money and infrastructure and everything that uh that will come with that so um yeah I, th- I think obviously 2022 is the sky's the limit for canadian soccer right now
1: yeah and hopefully you know this time next year we're talking about how canada performed in in 2022 guitar 2022 so that's, crazy to that's think. really exciting yeah. as a whole yeah exactly yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, I think we'll, we'll wrap up the show there. Um. Obviously a, a great way to start, uh, start 2022 with some, some big news and amazing guests. And yeah, hopefully we'll have, we'll have Jeff back uh, next week and, and maybe even some, some awards to hand out uh, as we do our annual awards show. But uh, yeah, thanks so much everyone for, for watching and, and tuning back in. We love doing this uh, and it's, it's been great to, to be back. Um, So, yeah, on behalf of uh, Michael Singh and Mitchell Tierney, till next Tuesday.
2: Apologies. I have to end the show.